Would you stand and listen for the word of the Lord? This morning from 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion, because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival used to provoke her severely to irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk at Shiloh, Hannah rose and presented herself before the Lord. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorstep at the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made this vow. O Lord of hosts, if only you will look on the misery of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a male child, then I will set him before you as a Nazarite until the day of his death. He shall drink neither wine nor intoxicants, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying silently. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you make a drunken spectacle of yourself? Put away your wine. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman deeply troubled. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation all this time. Then Eli answered, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant the petition you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your sight. Then the woman went to her quarters, ate and drank with her husband, and her countenance was sad no longer. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. Elkanah knew his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. In due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I have asked him of the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, we're in the midst of a sermon series I'm calling People Worth Knowing. We're looking at different biblical characters and their lives and an incident or two from their lives to see not only what we can learn about them, but also deeper knowledge about the Bible may come our way, as well as looking at some other examples, contemporary examples of people who perhaps possess these same characteristics from which we could learn, characteristics we might use and employ in our own Christian living. Today, we read about the birth of a baby, Samuel. He is going to go on to become a great prophet, told later in these books. But these birth stories cause us to pause for a moment. It is a clue for us to know that for these people... Having enough babies is very important and no certainty about it. They're the people 
that God has promised that they will be a great nation. They'll be the people of God to bless all the nations, so they have to have other generations. Having a male child, as you can tell from the reading, is a very important thing, but in this particular story, this baby's going to become very important. He's going to be the one that God chooses as a prophet, but not only a prophet, but he's going to be the one who identifies the great leaders, King David in particular, of these people that will take them, that will help them rise to their greatest moments, to their golden age. But today, neither Samuel nor King David are the most important. In this story we've just read today, Hannah is the key figure. We learn right off that she's married to Elkanah, but that he also has another wife, Peninnah. Peninnah's already had children. She likes to lord that over, Hannah. In fact, it says she uses that to provoke her severely. In another translation I read this week, it said that she used that to humiliate her. So we find out that even though Hannah is married and Elkanah loves her, that she is miserable because she has not had a child. And it's become the center of her life, this misery of not having a baby. And then to make it worse, her husband is unsympathetic. He says, am I not enough? And doesn't that sound just like a lot of men you know? <laughs> Am I not enough? Come on! No children, but you've got me. That's sort of where Elkanah is. Hannah doesn't find a lot of comfort in that. And then she goes to pray about it, and the priest thinks she's drunk. So it sort of adds insult to injury. She's pouring out heart and soul, and the priest, who of course she expects would understand, thinks she's mumbling drunk and criticizes her for it. Have you ever felt like Hannah? Where you were at a place in your life and it just seemed like it was unfair that the things that were happening should not be happening. You'd set your face on one course. You wanted to go in one direction, but it wasn't working out. The circumstances were not what you had hoped. Not what you had planned, not what you had dreamed of. And then for others not to understand, to be unsympathetic, or perhaps even accuse you of causing your own afflictions or your own misery. Have you ever felt like that? Most of us can think of a time or two in our lives at least where we have felt like people didn't understand. They didn't know what we were dealing with. They didn't know what we were struggling with. Hannah's in a place like that. But it's not her misery that I want us to focus on. What I found most compelling in this story is her response. I mean, she could strike out at Peninnah or even her husband, Elkanah. But that's not what she does. She turns toward God. Did you hear that? And verse 9 says, After all of this, Hannah rose and presented herself before the Lord. And then in verse 10, she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. 
Rather than attacking those around her, she turns to God and asks for help, pours out heart and soul, lets out her pain, and hopes to God. Believes that maybe God can change what she's been experiencing. And the storyteller, sure enough, jumps forward and tells us, Oh, yes, she's going to have a baby. This is going to come to pass. But she didn't really know that. She didn't know that she was going to bear a male son that would become this great prophet, would be the one that God would use to first pick Saul and then David to be king of the people. Yet Hannah really is the pivotal character in this history, even though others are coming to be king because of her decision to turn toward God rather than away from God in her time of misery. Because of her faith, she makes a vow that God, if, if only I could have a male son, not only will I be dedicated to you, but I will dedicate this son to you for his whole life long. And Hannah, in her devotion, in her conviction, in her faith, becomes an example for all of us of the difference that one person of faith can make. For in fact, she will be this pivotal character as the history unfolds in the history of Israel and in God fulfilling this covenant of this nation being one with many descendants and being a blessing to other nations. But so often... We overlook these minor characters in the Bible. Too often we overlook everyday regular people of faith who are making decisions to devote themselves to God, who are living out of their conviction and faith even when things are not going well, that God is with them and that God can turn this around, that God can change things, that God will make this better. I read once that... Uh, Philosopher said a person with a belief was equal to 99 with only interest. I would say one person with a conviction, I would take verses 99 with an opinion. It's so important of our devotion and our strength of belief and faith. And even if we're in times and experiences like Hannah, that we continue to turn toward God and to ask for help. This Sunday, we're recognizing Disability Awareness Sunday. You maybe received a handout on the way in. Members of our Special Needs Council were in the hallways extending those to you. But as I read through this scripture this week and knew that we had this Sunday coming up, I thought of one of our own women, Paula Gradney Garner. I met Paula when she was just in her early teen years. Her mother had Heard Dr. Biggs, saw Dr. Biggs preach on TV. She really liked what he had to say and how he presented it. She brought her family to be a part of our church. I was working in the youth department, so I got to know Paula then. At the age of 13, she began to volunteer as a teenager in our respite care program. That was a ministry that had been started years ago by Dr. Gordon Spencer. He had been a pastor on staff here at Boston Avenue, he was working with a family that had a special needs child. They were telling him how difficult it was to care for their child 24-7, that this constant care was wearing them down, and they didn't know what to do. 
he asked some folks here at Boston Avenue if they would help him step up to take care of this child two Friday nights a month so maybe these folks could go home and sleep or have a date or go grocery shopping or do what they needed to do. And so started a ministry, first with just a handful of families, but reaching out to people with children and youth and their families with special needs where they could bring these children and know for that evening there would be people here that care and would be devoted to those children just as much as they were. Paula volunteered for that ministry all through junior high, high school. She was active in the youth program, went to college, got married, moved it to Seattle, ended up running a preschool in Seattle, but then coming back to Tulsa, coming back to church here at Boston Avenue, beginning to work in our preschool. She told me that she continued to feel God leading her to look for a way to be in ministry. She went back to school, ended up with an MBA, and since I've been back, I've asked her to move to the program staff side of our ministry team. She not only oversees all the work we do in our nursery with the youngest among us, but she also works with our special needs council. In fact, she's organized this group. They're looking at all the different ways we might help families with children with special needs participate as fully as possible in all the ministry opportunities here at Boston Avenue. How can we come alongside them and support them and love them in their own Christian journey as a family? She's been instrumental in starting a new program, a new facet of that program called Special Buddies, where one of our workers or one of us agrees to walk alongside of a person with special needs on a Sunday morning so they can navigate this building and be a part of as many of the different ministries as they want when they are here. Well, now when I think about it, Respite Care has been caring for people for 40 years. Paul has been a part of that for several decades. And it helps me see one person being devoted to a ministry, to, to a cause, and how much difference it makes in the lives of others. Do you know the name Irina Sindler? Some 80 years ago, she was a young woman growing up in Warsaw. She was there when the Nazis came and took control of her city. Before long, she saw them gathering those of the Jewish faith and over time isolating them in a 16-block area that came to be known as the Warsaw Ghetto. She says that she grew up not far from there. She was a social worker at the time. As she was watching this happen and the, seeing the conditions getting worse and worse, it really troubled her. She said she had been taught by her physician father as a young child. I put this quote in your outline. That if a man is drowning, it is irrelevant what is his religion or nationality. One must help him. It is a need of the heart. She said finally she could watch no longer and she joined the underground resistance movement to aid the Jews. She said there was just a small group of them. She took on the identity of a nurse. They had contagious diseases inside the ghetto, and as a nurse, it allowed her access to go in and out. It became her job to rescue children, to smuggle out as many babies and children as she could. Day in and day out, she would go into the ghetto, and then in 
suitcases or in body bags or under seats of trucks. She would smuggle children out. If they were old enough, they would arrange for them to either jump in the sewers and follow a guide or go through other underground passages so that they might escape. Of course, she was risking her own life, her own health, her own well-being day in and day out as she did this. But during her time in working with the underground resistance, she organized the smuggling of 2,000 500 children from most certain death at the hands of the Nazis. She would arrange for placement in an orphanage or a convent or sometimes in a private home. She recorded the name of every child she smuggled out, hoping that she would be able to reunite families after the war. If the children were old enough, she would teach them to mimic Christian behavior so that they might fit in and not be discovered as escapees as she continued to risk her life and her health unfortunately she was discovered and on October 20 1943 she was arrested by the Gestapo they wanted to know more about this operation she was a part of they knew a little bit about what she had been doing but she wouldn't talk so they began to torture her to try to get her to say more to implicate others to give her them names of those who had cooperated with her she never did they continued to beat her to the point that multiple bones were broken in her legs and feet she was never offered any medical care of any kind and she was left permanently disabled they decided finally she was of no use to them and they would execute her. But some of her allies on the outside heard about this. They were able to arrange a bribe with one particular guard who allowed them to slip in and snatch her and take her to freedom. She lived out the rest of the war in hiding but survived the war and in fact lived a long life, lived until she was 98 years old. She died in 2008. And her story may have gone untold and perhaps would have been forgotten. But there was one school teacher in a little place called Uniontown, Kansas. Population 288. And this teacher told her students that for National History Day, they needed to identify a project and do original research on it. And as they began to work, they ran across this woman's story just sketchy little details began to do further exploration and investigation only to come to find out she was still alive and living in poland they were able to interview her and the whole story was finally told of what life during the war had been for her would not have happened if it hadn't been for that teacher in kansas and those students who began to do that research, the story would have disappeared. And yet it's such a powerful, wonderful story of what one woman can do, what difference one person can make. Her story will live on now to encourage others to live according to their convictions despite their circumstances. To live according to their convictions even if they're in miserable times. 
even if they're feeling desperate. One person's faith can make a difference. Certainly that is Hannah's story. I think that's Paula's story. I think that's Irina's story. It's the story of the teacher in Kansas. It could be your story too. The difference one person can make is monumental. Hannah's story reminds us that a person with faith can make an untold difference in history. It reminds us that one person living according to their convictions can have an unlimited, almost unlimited reach in the hands of God to do good in the world. Will you trust God with your life? Will you trust God to lead you? Do you believe God can help you despite whatever circumstances you are in, no matter what you might be encountering, even if you think it's unfair and people don't understand? Do you believe that God is with you? And just like Hannah, you can turn toward God and offer up a prayer and trust that God will respond. If so, no telling the difference you can make. Amen. Thanks be to God.